from the studios of WFAN, this is Mike Zahn, Francesa on the fan on this Monday, the 7th day of uh, January. I'm getting a little reverb there, guys, if you can straighten that out. Um, as we uh, get past the wild card weekend and head towards the divisional playoff weekend, there are four, six, seven playoff games left to play. One will be the Super Bowl. And you have a lot of big quarterback matchups, as you would expect. You expect the quarterbacks to be standing. They are. And you have a lot of terrific matchups, starting with Luck and Mahomes, who will enter the game uh, with more quarterback touchdowns for the season than any combination in the history of the NFL because look what they've done. Uh, Chris, see if you can figure it out. It's definitely a complete reverb. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong with the uh, – so something's wrong through the board, so see if you can figure out what's going on. Uh, no, not yet. So have somebody fiddle around with it. So it's uh, still it's still reverbing like crazy. I'll try to live with it for a couple of minutes if I have to, but uh, it's kind of disconcerting. But um, – I'll start with the Sunday games, and then we'll backtrack to what happened Saturday and head towards uh, the this weekend's matchups, which are all very interesting ones, uh, as you would expect. Divisional playoffs usually are. You get the one and two seeds back in action. Um, it's amazing, though, what has changed. And, and I've been very slow to make the change. Uh, I lived through in more than a generation where it was very hard to virtually impossible to win playoff games on the road. That has cha- If one thing has changed in the NFL in recent years, more than anything else, it is now commonplace to win these playoff games on the road. And I, don't, I was trying to figure it out. I was talking to a, uh, an old NFL person today, someone who's been around the league forever. And I was saying, why do you think it's so easy now? Why are these buildings no longer hostile? I mean, you go back and look in the 80s and see how few times teams broke through. You look at the last couple of years, the road teams almost won every game. I mean, this weekend they went 3-1. and one. Last year they had one weekend when they were 4-0. and oh. I mean, so it's been very hard to win as a home team in these games. I mean, and that is a stark, stark difference. Used to be if you were the one seed, I mean, I think the N- in the NFL and the NFC, in the 80s, I don't think the road team broke through one time, maybe one time in the, that I can remember. Um, Dallas, if you remember with Landry at the start of the decade, lost three straight road games on, uh, you know, in San Francisco, in Washington, and in, in uh, Philly. Uh, the, the, Bear, the Niners, the Giants, the Bears, uh, all won as home teams year after year after year. Uh, you know, Packers with Fob. I mean, go down the list. I mean, it was so hard to break through. You had a couple breakthrough in the AFC, but very few. Go look and see. Look at the Pats record home and away in the playoffs. It's stock. That's an old-time NFL record. But in look at these last couple of years and see how these teams – now, Eli's done very well in his runs. He's done very well on the road. He's won a tremendous amount of playoff games. The Jets – with you know, with 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 uh, with Ryan, won some playoff games on the road, but in recent years, it's become where it seems like in the last couple of years, the road teams have won more games than the home teams, which has become very very strange. Uh, and I know the buildings are, for the most part, 
maybe a Philly or a couple others aside, they're not as hostile as they used to be. And you also now have a lot of the other fans transported. That's become a big business is to transport the other team's fans and a lot, a lot of tickets. NFL does it. There are, there are ticket plans that do it, uh, that a lot tickets and trips for these road teams. Do. So that's why even in Dallas the other night, you see Seattle fans standing there celebrating when their team scores a touchdown. The guy was standing there with a the 12-man flag, the whole thing. So you even see that in Dallas. Maybe that's the reason. I, I, don't have a good, I don't have a really good reason why that has changed as starkly as it has, but it has. And uh, you saw it this weekend again where three of the four teams won on the road. Now, it wasn't easy. The teams yesterday had a couple of wild finishes. The first game was a game where you had a defense that came to play winning football. Really gave a tremendous effort. Had bottled this team up a couple weeks ago. Now, that week... The Ravens ran on them, and they made the adjustment and give Lynn and his staff credit for making that adjustment. But more than that, more than anything they did, was the fact that you saw a young quarterback, by his own admission, who was not comfortable with the game. He was not ready for the start of a playoff game. He was to use a word that we can comfortably use on the air, he was nervous. I mean, he, he couldn't even hold on to the ball at the start of the game and put his team in an outrageously disadvantaged position. And if it weren't for their defense, which on four different occasions, two turnovers, a punt return, and a kick return, wound up holding the charges to 12 points, to four turnovers, four field goals. And you had a situation where clearly, despite what the whole building thought, despite what a lot of the people doing the game or, or doing studio work or watching the game like me thought, you had a Super Bowl champion quarterback on the bench. And he never glanced at him. And I don't know what their relationship is, but now I don't think it was very good. And maybe he was thinking about his future because Flacco's not going to be there. But you had a situation where his defense was basically doing everything except opening a vein to keep that other team from taking the game over. And the Chargers... As Rivers said after the game, hey, we got really shut down. We have to play much better offensively if we want to win another game. And, I mean, they blocked the, they blocked field goals. You know, they got their hands on punts. They made great stops defensively. They held them when the field position was overwhelming. And when they got the turnover – the really the two turnovers in the third quarter, I thought their Harbaugh stubbornness cost him any chance to win the game. Because if he goes to Flacco there and Flacco connects, he's a big-arm quarterback who's had success in the postseason, who uh, had one of the great postseason runs of all time. If he gets the ball in the 21-yard line and sticks that next play in the end zone, I'll tell you right now, and this is 40 years of watching the NFL, 
the Ravens win that game because they would have taken over that stadium. They bottled them up forever. He got loose on one pass play that set up the one touchdown they got in the game, and on the one touchdown they got, it was controversial they even got it. And they got the ball on the 21 and the 40-yard line in the third quarter. I remember Boomer saying it at halftime. He said the only way the Chargers lose this game is if they turn the ball over. And he was prophetic because the next thing you know, boom, they turn the ball over. And here come the Ravens, except what you saw from still a quarterback who was not even remotely in the game who basically was just trying to hold onto the ball and find a place to, to lie down. You got nothing. You got a field goal at t- to make it 12-3. You got the ball in the 21. You got three plays and out in a field goal. And then you got the ball in the 40-yard line and had to try a long field goal, which they missed. So you come out of those two stands there where you got the ball on the plus 21 and the plus 40, and you were only down 12 nothing in a stadium that was ready to erupt in a defense that was dominating the game. If you could have put up 14 points there, that game is yours. I know the stuff that went on late in that game, and you're going to tell me that they actually got the ball back. All right, they got the ball back with no chance to win uh, down six points. That was the flukiest couple of things that ever happened in a game. He threw one ball. He wasn't even looking. I mean, so the bottom line is, don't tell me. They backed off completely with a big lead, thought the game was over, and then realized, wait a second, guys, we've got to play again. That's what happened with a 23-3 lead. The game was completely over. And they let up a little bit, and he made a couple of plays. But the game was over. There wasn't enough time. Remember, the way they set up these onside kicks now, you can't get an onside kick. They've taken away any advantage you have. It's almost impossible. The way the rules are now for the onside kick, they're so limited in terms of how you can set up your men and what they can do. You can't get, there's only been four onside kicks claimed this year. They've taken the onside kick out of the sport, which is rough because it's a very dramatic play that can change games. Some of the historic games in history were aided by an onside kick. Now you can't get one. You really can't. A team would have to make a colossal blunder for you to get an onside kick now. But I was stunned that he, it, may, it told me that the relationship between him and Flacco has deteriorated to such a level that he never even looked at Flacco. And you, you heard a whole building. When, one time when he ran back out in the third quarter, there was a groan throughout the entire stadium. So I was very surprised. And then after the game, he said, I made the right move. Give me a break. I mean, that's, listen, say nothing. Tell me you made the right move. You got a guy there who won you a Super Bowl. Won you a Super Bowl. Went 11 touchdowns and no interceptions in the playoffs. Won you a Super Bowl, and you didn't give him a chance to keep your playoff run alive. You didn't give him a chance when you had a quarterback who couldn't, at that point in the game, had two first downs and looked like a scared a deer in the headlights. And listen, that can happen to kids, all right? He's a kid player. He's limited. He doesn't have a great passing game. They bottled up. They showed him some things he hadn't seen, and he was scared to death. 
He got off to a bad start. He had trouble handling snaps. He fumbled three times out of the first five times. He fumbled the ball three times out of the first five times and then fumbled the last play apropos in the game. That was non-coaching is what that was. Now the Chargers move on. They're a better they're a better opponent anyway. So if you want a better game, you got one. This is going to be a tough game for the uh, Pats. You can tell. When are the Pats a four-point favorite at home? I mean, so that just tells you right there that they respect the Chargers and they know the Pats are slipping. And obviously Rivers and Brady, you know, the quarterback matchups, three of the four are very enticing. One is the couple of young guys who got to prove that they are ready for this. That, of course, comes in the Dallas Ram game. The other three games, you got the two young – well, not you, you, Luck's not young anymore, but you got the – Great quarterbacks uh, in luck and what Mahomes has done this year. You have, obviously, Rivers and Brady. You have Foles and Breeze, and Foles has become the magic man. Then we get to that game. That game was marred by a couple of things, and you know what? I blame the Bears for part of it. Obviously, they lived all year with a dangerous kicking situation that came back to haunt them. We have seen that happen to many teams. Word to the wise, okay? When your kicker slips below 80% at any point in a season, he becomes somebody else's kicker. Because when you take a dangerous kicking situation into the postseason, it will end your season. Death by kicker is the most painful death you can have in the postseason. And you've seen it happen a million times. Now, once in a while, it can happen to a really good guy. All right? Minnesota, great kicker. It happens. Norwood, real good kicker. But that was a 47-yarder on grass. That was not a chip shot. But we've seen it once in a while from a top kicker. It can happen. They're human. But when you bring a big, bad kicker into the game, like Minnesota did at times or San Diego did at times, it comes back to get you every time. Bears brought a bad kicker into the game. Now, I understand right now the Eagle coach and the Eagle quarterback, you know what? They might just buy lottery tickets. Whatever they do works. Whatever they do, they haven't lost that, that, that pixie dust. And didn't you think at some point in that game when Foles was throwing a couple of bad interceptions that maybe the pixie dust was gone? But the pixie dust is still there. He ices the kicker, the kicker makes the kick, and then he hits the ball, and he hits the upright. I mean, so he's still rolling sevens. The quarterback's still rolling sevens, and now they'll try to roll him into New Orleans, uh, which obviously is not going to be an easy destination. It opened as a nine. Now it's an eight-point game. Does the Eagle Magic last another week? Hey, it's getting harder and harder to say no to Foles. I mean, after another performance, and although the kicker takes the brunt, kick to the curb was the headline in Chicago this morning. Good headline. Chicago Tribune kicked to the curb. But don't, don't forget to give a heaping helping of the blame to the vaunted bad defense. When you are in your building, and you got a five-point lead, and you have a vaunted unit, and you're in a playoff game, you're in a money game, you expect them to do their job. Whether it's have your quarterback five points down, go win the game 
if it's Brady or Manning or whoever it might be, or you have the big defense and you're asking that guy and that defense to stand up. And Mac, to me, did not live up to the billing this year. He was, he wasn't as invisible as Watt was, but he was not what he should have been or what the reputation says he should be in that game because that's when you stand up. When you want to be a great player, that's when you stand up and make the play that ends the game. The Bear D cannot get scored on there. They do. I understand on fourth down. And as I told you, Tate makes plays. He just does. He just is in the right spot at the right time. So Baldwin always does, and Tate does too. They, they, they make plays. So does Sproles. They make plays. There's certain guys that do. Steve Smith always did in the playoffs, always made plays. But, hey, let's give the young bad quarterback credit. He made the plays he had to make. He put his team in position. He did his job. This isn't on him. He can rest his head on the pillow all offseason. He did his job. You say, well, still, uh, no, that kicks uh, NFL, good field conditions. That's a not only makeable, that's a kick you have to make. That's inside the realm of that's a makeable kick. That's supposed to go in. That's supposed to be through the uprights. So he did his job. The defense didn't do its job. And we can go back and talk about all the different things that went on in the game, including the utterly ridiculous. And, I mean, they pulled this. And you even heard Terry McCauley say, what did they do, pull this out of the back of the binder? I mean, listen. If you fumble the ball with possession, the ball should be where you spot it, where you lose it. It shouldn't be. It should have been just like it went out of bounds. If they had possession of the ball, ergo, they keep possession of the ball. How is that? Once it's a complete pass, how in the world is it an incomplete pass? It makes absolutely no sense. And I'd never seen them dust that one off before. Nor have a lot of other people who were doing the games, including guys who did Super Bowls, admitted they hadn't seen that one. I mean, if think about it. You have possession. It's a catch, which means he has possessed the ball on the field of play. If it is not recovered by the defending team, whose ball is it? It's the team who had it. How is that an incomplete pass? How does that send that? How does, and I, I see Riveron on TV saying, well, maybe we'll go back and talk about this. Go back and talk about it. It doesn't make any sense. So if he fumbled it out of bounds, if he caught it and it went out of bounds on the four, it's. Bare ball. But if he possesses it on the four and the other team doesn't have the wherewithal to pick it up, it's an incomplete pass. How does that make any sense in the entire world? It doesn't. It doesn't. So I would put that in the category of another big eagle break. But, hey, listen, the eagles have showed you 
they do more than just make breaks. They play great in these games. They make plays. I said all week that their secondary wouldn't stand up. I was dead wrong. Their secondary played really well. I got to give them credit. They never exposed that secondary in that game. I thought they would. I thought that secondary, which I've watched cut up all season, I thought it would get cut up in that game, and it didn't. You got to give them credit. They made plays the entire game in that secondary. So that's good coaching. That's clutch playing. You got to give those guys credit. So kudos to them. They earned that. So the Chargers move on. And there's a lot of people going to be wondering what, what might have been if a Super Bowl winning quarterback had gotten off the bench in the third quarter of that game. And then the Bears, hey, they had a million opportunities to put that game away. Remember, if they get a two-point conversion, you know, there's a million different things there. They don't get the two-point conversion. They don't get the ball on the four-yard line. We can go on and on. But it doesn't make any difference. They go home. And the Eagles go to New Orleans to take on the Saints. The four games, the Chiefs, a six-point, anywhere down to five-and-a-half already, uh, favorite on the first game Saturday against the Colts. The And obviously all the ones and twos are favored. The uh, Rams are a seven-point favorite over the Cowboys. The Pats are a four to four and a half, depending on uh, what day of the week it is, against the Chargers. And that's the early game Sunday. And then the late game Sunday is the Saints, anywhere from an eight, eight and a half point favorite over the Eagles in the late game on Sunday. So your quarterbacks, as you would expect, and they usually are, when there's the field of eight, are usually uh, front and center. Brady, Breeze, Rivers, Luck, Mahomes, Foles, and then the youngsters with the Rams and the Cowboys. And Prescott, a third long draw that may have only netted them a field goal. And when they ran the play, was designed to just get them a couple of yards in a field goal. And then it was going to be up to their defense to hold off a very clutch quarterback, only up six. And they would have been second-guessed for not throwing the ball there if they had lost because what does six grant you? Remember, six doesn't get you anything. Three, if you don't score, is still alive if they kick a three. Either way, they beat you with a seven. They can't beat you with a three. They can only tie you with a three. They can beat you with a seven either way. So a lot of people don't like that six in that spot. And he goes down there and gets – and I didn't think they'd put the ball in the air. Did not. I thought they'd run it. I didn't think he'd break the play as he did. That run is his signature play as a cowboy, but also heavily symbolic, if you are not a big Prescott guy, is the play he makes on third and 14 is with his legs, not with his arm. And that's a big part of the problem. Because him on third and 14 with his arm is a very risky proposition. 
He is not an accurate passer. He is always, always hot in your mouth when he goes to throw the ball. Except when he's throwing those inside, you know, when he when he throws those shallow crosses or throws those medium crosses, he's you know he can throw those. But other than that, when he throws the ball outside the numbers, you don't know where it's going. You have no idea where it's going. And that's something that's going to make it really hard on that defense. These defenses, which if you notice in these games, they get worn out. When they're put to the test of really pounding away, they very rarely stand up to the offenses in the fourth quarter of these games. You saw the Ravens get tired because they were on the field defensively the whole game, and you had a bunch of older guys on the Ravens and different guys on the Ravens who just aren't used to playing that many plays. They got tired. They were on. They, you know, they was used to having a running game, which aids your defense because it keeps your defense off the field. Their defense was on the field the whole game. They got tired. Then you saw. The Cowboys break a little on defense. You've seen them do that at times where they've played great games and broken down in the fourth quarter of games. You've seen that against the Eagles. You saw it against Seattle. And then you saw the bad defense when it had to make a stand in the fourth quarter. Did not make the stand. In this league, even when the defense has put up a big effort, they usually don't get to make it through four downs in this league. The offense usually wins. Because it's set up for them to win. And listen, these games, let's be honest, they're not high-scoring games. You didn't see a lot of shoot outs You didn't see a lot. You know, you, you might get a classic one if you get good weather with the Colts and the KC. There might be no way except for that game to be a shootout. That might be high 30s into the 40s. Remember, the Chiefs this year have lost 43-40 uh, to uh, New England. They lost scoring 50 points first team ever to the Rams. They lost 29-28 to the Chargers, so they've had high-scoring games that they lost. They're the one team that nobody has really shut out this year. So I wouldn't expect that either. Their problem is dealing with a Colt offensive line that you're dealing with as quarterback as good as anywhere on the planet, but you're also dealing with an offensive line now that has come to the fore, led by Mr. Nelson and call him Mr. Now, if you saw... He laid the wood to some guys, including Clowney, who he just absolutely... If Clowney wants to make a lot of money in the offseason, do not show that video because he absolutely embarrassed Clowney. He pancaked him and then flipped him over and did it again for good luck measure. I mean, it was, it was ugly. It was ugly. He is a monster. He is a force. And abs- you know that's where one offensive lineman can change your fortunes. I mean, he, his mentality and his toughness has changed the fortunes of that team on offensive line on the offensive line. They are a force to reckon with now. Look at the way they ran the ball, and they were playing against Watt, Clowney, and Merciless, and they got pushed all over the field at home. All right, quick break. We'll come back, touch on the Saturday games, then get to your calls. We'll have plenty of time for that. Uh, we got a lot to do, obviously. Tonight on the app, we will be there for the championship game. So we'll touch on the championship game today. We'll do a little of it. For those of you who care, some of you do, some of you don't. Bama, Clemson, the last chapter. Even if you're not an NFL fan, even if you're not a college fan, you might want to watch tonight, especially if you're in the market, if your team's in the market for a quarterback in the next couple of years, because the number one player in the draft the next two years, not this year, the next two years are both in the game tonight. Tua for Alabama, who will be number one next year, 
And then the kid at Clemson who's a freshman, a 6'6", strapping, big throwing, 230 pounds, 6'6", long-haired, strapping quarterback. Classic, big, central casting quarterback who will be the number one pick the year after. These guys are that good. They'll be on display tonight. Back after this.